Welcome. You are listening to the Park Avenue Synagogue Podcast, and this is Rabbi Elliot Cosgrove. While it's better to hear it live, this is the place to catch the latest sermon, conversation, and select program. If you like what you're hearing or want to learn more about our community, check out PASYN.org. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to get a notification for our next episode. Enjoy and see you in shul. Shabbat Shalom. On my recent flight to Israel, I, I read a book uh, on the plane titled Under the Stretcher by Max Levin. The book describes Levin's experience as a lone soldier and his service during 2014's Operation Protective Edge. He grew up uh, in America uh, in a proud Zionist family, vowed as a child to join the IDF, and at 18 sort of made his uh, dreams come true. He moved to Israel and became a paratrooper. The book gives you a sense of the weight of war that these young soldiers carry, the bravery, the courage, the sense of solidarity they feel with the members of their unit, the gibush, the the Hebrew word that's hard to translate but means something like uh, cohesiveness, solidarity, that bonds these soldiers together. Dan Sinor, who will be here on March 8th, and you can still get tickets for the Shabbat dinner, uh, describes it this way in his book, The Genius of Israel, quoting Danny Gordis, the founding myth of our people describes that we were 600,000 people at Mount Sinai crossing the desert. The Jewish story isn't one of small families, but of a massive migration always pointing to the promised land. A suggestion that only in the company of many others can we reach our ultimate destination. The image of our trek through the desert tells us one thing in particular, Gordas says, we're a people who needs community. How fitting it was to read this book as I flew, uh, we, were, we had a, a trip with 45 members of the community, I flew a few days early to see my own son, a lone soldier who five years ago made the decision to bind his destiny with the people of Israel, the land of Israel, and who actually at this very moment is sitting in his tank back in reserves on the northern border with Lebanon, and of course to join with the members of our community, with Cantor Davis and Valerie Russo, to bear witness and express solidarity with our fellow Jews in Israel. I was struck by one aspect of basic training the book describes, and I remember my son telling me about it, the extensive hiking, kilometer after kilometer, through rough terrain, carrying a stretcher on his shoulders. Giving up, stopping, resting, was not an option. The goal, Levin said, was to be mitachat ha'alunka, or under the stretcher, for as long as possible. The only thing, Levin said, that mattered, once under the stretcher, was getting your friend and your teammate home alive. And there it is, the metaphor for our times. When Benny Gantz joined the government after October 7th, 
he justified joining forces with Netanyahu by saying that we are in a time of war and that he is putting his shoulder under the stretcher. In a recent podcast with Danielle Hartman and Yossi Klein-Halevi, they speak about this metaphor. You can't carry a stretcher alone. You need four people. And you need another four people ready to step in when the original four can't carry it any further. And don't even think about dropping the stretcher because you are dropping your brother or your sister. As Hartman said, we are all under the stretcher. To be in Israel now is to witness, to feel this analogy express itself in real time. You sense the solidarity. You experience the gibush, the, the cohesiveness I spoke about. Civic society coming together immediately after October 7th to support evacuees from the towns on the northern and southern borders, to support hostage families like we heard today, to support the soldiers. I experienced it in the tent at Hostage Square when we joined together with communities far different than our own, with different practices and different norms to sing and pray for those who remain in captivity in Gaza. The group was moved when we visited an organization called Brothers for Life. It's an organization that was created and run by injured Israeli veterans, which gives critical and immediate help to other injured Israeli combat veterans who sacrificed their lives for the Jewish people. I felt it when soon after our return, we learned of the daring rescue of two hostages from Gaza, Fernando Marmon and Louis Har. If you haven't seen this video of the rescue, Google it. The code name for the hostages was Diamonds. Diamonds. How can you not love the Jewish people? That which is most precious to us is what we risk our lives to go rescue. Watch how the SEALs shielded the two men as they escaped to the helicopter. Listen to how the soldiers speak to these two freed hostages. Are you cold? A soldier asks. Take my jacket. Take my shoes. He takes off his shoes. You hear one of the freed hostages say to the soldiers, my heart is warm, we're safe, we're with you. The last thing you hear is one of the soldiers say, we love you. That's what it means to be mitachat ha'alunka, or under the stretcher. The only thing that matters once you're there is supporting your friend, supporting your teammate, and getting them home alive. To be in Israel now is to experience a country, a people infused with this sense of purpose and intention. Be'yachad ninatzeach, you see, all over the place. Together, we will be victorious. Sounds beautiful, yes? Inspiring. But it's not the full story. If you have been keeping up with the recent news in Israel, you know that it's actually only partially true. There are members of Israeli society who don't seem to have their shoulders firmly under the stretcher. If you follow Israeli social media, there's an image going around with dozens 
of IDF soldiers carrying a very large stretcher, and on top of the stretcher are dozens of Haredim, of ultra-Orthodox Jews. And as the war goes on, and we all know that there's a possibility that this war will spread into the north, as reservists continue to be called up for a second time, as active duty is expanded to 36 months from 30, as kids in Israeli gap year programs are pulled into active duty months before they were supposed to go, as the country needs soldiers, as casualties continue to mount, the fact that young Haredi men are not being drafted is a significant social and political issue. Now you may or may not know the history of this situation. Not long after May of 1948, when the State of Israel was born, Prime Minister David Ben-Gurion met with Rabbi Avraham Yeshayahu Karolitz, also known as the Chazon Ish, the head of the ultra-Orthodox community at the time. For Ben-Gurion, the concern was, the immediate concern was, the need for an army to defend the Jewish state, but also a need to mold the new Jew, the nationalistic, the secular, the physical, the strong, the confident secular Jew. For Rabbi Karlitz, he wanted to, to resurrect the spiritual world that had been decimated by the Shoah, by the Holocaust. This would require for the Haredim, the ultra-Orthodox, separation from the secular world and the building up of infrastructure that would allow complete an absolute, absolute devotion to the study of Torah. So they reached what was known as the status quo agreement. And among other things, the status quo agreements exempts the Haredi from military service. Now at the time, in 1948, when the status quo agreement was agreed upon, that, was, that meant that there was about 3% of the Israeli population 400 yeshiva students were exempted from the draft. Today, at 14% of the Israeli population, you're talking about thousands and thousands of Haredi men who are exempted from army service each and every year. Now, I have no desire to attack the Haredim. In fact, I have a great deal of respect for many of the values that are central to this community. But we are at a critical and a challenging moment in Jewish and Israeli history. The country is mobilized. The Jewish people are mobilized. But we are not complete. There's a sense that not all members of Am Yisrael, the people of Israel, are actually sharing the burden and responsibility of defending the Jewish people. And we know the power of solidarity. We've experienced it these last months. We know the strength that comes from being united. You can't not feel it when you visit Israel today. So it's not anger that I feel towards the Haredim. It's actually something else. And it was captured beautifully by Yossi Klein Halevi, who's taught here many times. He says, I think that beneath the anger 
that so many of us feel of them not taking part in the war effort, there's a deep hurt. How can you, our brothers, exempt yourselves at a moment when the entire nation is mobilized? You know the Haredim, presumed to be the most Jewish Jews. They're the self-proclaimed caretakers of this country's Jewishness, he says. And at this most Jewish moment, you're not going to be part of us. And so I think that the anger that's being expressed is actually coming from a very beautiful place. It's coming from a place of, we want you with us. We need you with us. Not only that we need your bodies. Yes, we actually do need your bodies now. But more profoundly, we need you. We need to know that you are fully with us, that we really are one people. It's a call to our Haredi brothers and sisters from a place of love, not of anger, not of mistrust. It's saying to them, we know you fear what will happen if you enter the army. And we know of your belief that you are spiritually protecting the land by studying and praying. We respect that. And what we really need right now is for you to put your shoulder under that stretcher and help carry the physical weight of the Jewish people. This week, as Chloe mentioned, we learned about the clothing worn by the priests in the temple. One part of the high priest's uniform was a robe called the ephod, and attached to the robe were two shoulder pieces that each had stones sort of in them with the names of the 12 tribes engraved on them. It's a beautiful image. Aaron, the high priest, was to carry the name of Israel's tribes, all the tribes, on his shoulders. He wore the names over his heart, and when he had to make a decision regarding a fellow Israelite, he was to consult not only the rule book, but his heart as well. As the Midrash teaches, the heart that rejoiced so unreservedly at his brother's good fortune is worthy to wear this emblem before God. In this post-107 reality, if only we could all take this Midrash to heart and genuinely, wholeheartedly, see the entirety of the Jewish people as stones in the tapestry of Jewish life. That we don't see the other as them. We only see them as us, as part of this collective that we all want to be a part of, that we all want to support, that we all want to share in. Now, I know I'm being overly optimistic and generous to the Haredim. Don't think for a moment that I'm not angry that my son is back in reserves for his second tour while tens of thousands of Haredim are exempt from service. But I will not let that anger turn to contempt for the community because there's too much at stake. We are, after all, a people who needs community. And let me remind you that there are ways the Haredim have been under that stretcher since that day in October. They've been incredibly supportive of soldiers, tying tzitzit fringes, delivering food, delivering pizza. They do heroic work as part of Zaka. Some of us have toured and met with Zaka, an organization that ensures a full Jewish burial 
for those who meet a sudden or violent death, which so many have since October 7th. And of course, within two weeks of that brutal day, around 3,000 Haredi men had asked to join the IDF. Now, most of them were well past conscription age, and they probably only served for a couple of weeks. But the interest, the fact that they stepped up, demonstrates that there has been an awakening, however small, and we would be fools to ignore the significance and opportunity at this critical moment. I know that for many, it's too heavy a lift to get beyond the unfairness of the situation. And if you are unable to get over the contempt that you feel, and I hear it from many, I encourage you, first of all, you could do what Rabbi Cosgrove suggested last week. You could breathe, right? Take a breath. And I challenge you to use that anger, to use this moment, and hold that mirror up to yourself and ask, where are you in the Jewish collective? Are you carrying your weight while our brothers and sisters are at war, while hostages remain in Gaza? Do you see yourself under that stretcher? And if so, will you continue to be one of those people who lifts up the Jewish people? That's the question of the hour. And this I know. When we are all present, when we all carry the load together, every part of the Jewish nation, then truly, truly, I'm Yisrael Chai. The people of Israel will continue to survive, and more than survive, we will thrive. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to the Park Avenue Synagogue Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about our community, check out PASYN.org. See you in shul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.